Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show. September is here. August is in the rear view. We've got football on the tube tonight. Yes, indeed. College football. You got more games tonight than you had in week zero. You got some games tomorrow night. And then, of course, you got the full slate on Saturday. Uh, looking forward to that. But, yeah, we got football. We got some great guests lined up for you today. Alex George, she is uh, an NIL consultant, a social media strategist. She works in New York City. She grew up in Atlanta. She is a huge sports fan. She happens to like some teams in Atlanta, though, like the Braves and, ooh, the Falcons. She's also a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. We're going to have some fun with Alex. We'll talk about the uh, ever-evolving NIL in college sports. We will mention teams in the NFL that we think will surprise this year. Some for good, some for bad. Who's going to be a team that's expected to be good and won't? And who's not expected to be all that great but will be? Going to have some fun with her. Seth Lewis will be on the show in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk high school football, the most intriguing aspects of the high school football season in and around Acadiana. And then we will talk LSU, UL, and the Saints. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But NCAA football, baby. That's right. Week one officially starts tonight. And, you know, you got Oklahoma State and Central Michigan. You got Pitt and West Virginia. That's the one for me. One, because I love West Virginia and I'll be rooting for them. It's the backyard brawl, which used to be one of the best rivalries in all of college sports. And they hadn't played in a long time. And two... Because while I'm rooting for West Virginia, I think Pitt's going to win. And I, I've mentioned Pitt consistently as I, the team I think is going to be the biggest surprise in college football. Oh, you lose Kenny Pickett and you lose the best receiver in the country and you're not going to be that great this year. And you're ranked, you know, I think they ranked 18th, 17th. They have a shot to be a dark horse to get into the college football playoff. I think they're going to finish the season in the top 10 and be really, really good. But I'm not even going to be rooting for him because I like Drew for West Virginia. Blame John Denver for that one. So, you know, th- that's that's the one tonight. La Texas at Missouri kind of have some interest in that, want to see how it plays out. But across the board, you know, nothing too sizzling. Tomorrow, you got one ranked team in action. I think it's Michigan State and Western Michigan. What's Saturday, baby? Saturday. It begins. It begins. We'll talk Georgia and Oregon from a betting standpoint with Alex George, our first guest this morning. You have Arkansas and Cincinnati as well. Arkansas is 19th, Cincinnati is 23rd. That game is in Fayetteville. Now, now a lot of these things are made a few years in advance. And what's crazy about that is that Arkansas is paying Cincinnati $1.5 million dollars. According to Eddie Timonis of USA Today, that is a big check check to host a school in a non-conference game from a potentially a less prestigious league and uh, one where it's not a home-and-home. Home. Now, you hear the term a lot, right? Money games. App State's going to Texas A&M this year. A&M's going to pay them $1.5 million. The Cajuns go to Florida State later in the season. Florida State will play Louisiana $1.4 million. They couldn't capitalize last year in their guarantee game against Texas. But could they do it this year? 
See, there's got to be no better feeling in college football as an AD, also as a fan, but especially as an AD, when your team beats the opponent and you get a giant check out of it. And when they do it, when they're an underdog, you know, I mean, Cincinnati, Arkansas, it's not exactly, um, you know, an underdog, which is kind of crazy. I mean, technically, Arkansas, yes, they are favored in this game, but by six and a half. I mean, if Cincinnati wins, that won't surprise anyone. It was a big game, for, important game for Arkansas. An important game in Ar- for Arkansas, for sure. But $1.5 million? That's the guarantee you got, guys? Against the team that was in the college football playoff last year? Huh. Cool. So I'll take that one off the table for this first exercise I'm going to do this morning. Who has the best chance to take in a giant payday, and I'm talking about FBS schools. I'm not going to go FCS versus FBS. But who in the FBS and the football bowl subdivision has a chance to get the giant check and win? I don't think it's going to be App State of Texas A&M. I don't. You could say BYU at Oregon, but then again, it's BYU. They've had some success, $1.1 million. I think where you have an opportunity to have a big payday and a win is September 17th when SMU plays at Maryland. New coaching staff for SMU, high-octane offense in, 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 um, in the Mustangs. And then you got the Terps who, I don't know. I mean, they'll, they'll be tested. But if they look past SMU, they're going to take an L and write a giant check. That one, I think, has a good chance to do it. BYU at Oregon, probably not. Probably not. I mean, week three, there's a lot of guarantee games on the schedule. Week two, though, you got apps. And look, App State at A&M. If App State beats North Carolina this week and goes into that one, That'd be fun. Could be fun. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it though. What about Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners? I mean, they were great last year. They were eleven and two. The year before, they were in a bowl game, lost to the Cajuns in the bowl game, but they won a lot of games. They play at Texas week three and get paid one point five two million dollars. I mean, they don't even have to pay for a flight. It's a lot cheaper. It's just a bus. They could they they could get a big payday. And wh- here's why it's tricky for Texas. They're coming off of a game against Alabama. You don't, I mean you think they're going to have a full tank against an in-state team that they're overlooking? Keep an eye on it. And then yeah, UL at Florida State's one to keep an eye on November nineteenth. Depending on Florida State's level of interest, they struggle throughout ACC play late in the season. We've seen the Seminoles lose to group of five opponents pretty regularly in in recent years. Those are the ones to keep an eye on this year. And again, if you're an AD, and I'm not, there's got to be no better feeling. Those that get to experience that, no better feeling. No better feeling. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I mentioned it. Alex George is our next guest. Her first time on the show. 
She is a uh, NIL influencer and a social media manager for AG Media up in New York City. She's an Atlanta sports fan, Georgia Bulldogs fan. We'll get into a lot of stuff with her. Seth Lewis from KTC TV3 going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour. It's a great, it's the great Scott show on a Thursday. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. What up, guys? It's Scott Prather, and you know it. The wait is almost over. A new football season's about to begin. Let's get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. One more action for opening night. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. That's it. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses that game. Guys, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or old. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued is free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensing partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call one 770 stop Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the great Scott show ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, as promised, a first-time guest on the show, Alex George. She is an NIL influencer, a social media manager, a hardcore Georgia Bulldogs and Atlanta Braves fan, and uh, as she, I think she described it, a low-key degenerate gambler. So she'll she'll fit <laughs> right in on these airwaves. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? Well, now that I'm living in New York, I'm going to have to stay no sleep until Brooklyn. Right. It always gets me fired up. That's a, that's a, not a bad choice. Yeah. It's, it's one of the more popular go-tos. Uh, Rich Eisen came on and he's like, well, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn. I was a Jewish kid growing up in Brooklyn. So the uh, Jewish kids from Brooklyn that sang about Brooklyn, I really have to go with that one. So you're in good company <laughs> with Rich and a number of others. Um, let's let's dig right into it. For, for um, those that don't know, just tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and how it ties into sports. So I've been a social media manager for about 10 years. And um, just last year with NIL being allowed for college athletes to be influencers. I've kind of transitioned from regular influencers to managing um, NIL influencers, kind of being a liaison between sports agents and brands, helping their clients get deals and helping these brands maneuver sports agents um, and deals with college athletes. So it's, 
a new world. I have a feeling it's going to blow up and kind of change the game for college athletes. But um, I've really been enjoying it because I do love sports and yeah. social media for so long. So it all kind of blends in together perfectly for me. No doubt. Uh, at Alex George five, that's the number five on Twitter for those that uh, want to give her a follow. But, you know, you mentioned changing the game. It, it certainly already has over just a little over a year in. Um, what what in your mind do you feel like young student athletes when they arrive to college, maybe what they don't understand or or need to understand, I guess, better aren't aren't well versed enough in when it comes to social media? I think that they need to realize that they themselves are a brand, um, which is one of the sports agents I'm working with. We're helping these athletes realize that they themselves are a brand. So after you finish college, if you don't go pro, you can still be a brand. You can still work with other brands. So you need to represent yourself, especially with social media. Like everybody's taking pictures. Everybody's posting things. Um, So you have to represent yourself well, both on the field and off the field. So that's something that social media can kind of help tailor for them, um, but they also need to be careful about what's being posted and what brands they partner with, like make sure that it aligns with their values. You know, you're um, you're you're a, a huge Braves fan, but you grew up in Atlanta, so it makes sense. Uh, yep. They're actually, they're kind of, down here in South Louisiana, there are a lot of Astros fans and there are a lot of Braves fans because, you know, the Braves run TBS and right. a lot of people grew up seeing them. I don't ask how, but I, I became a Mets fan at a very young age. No, I'm not from New York. I know you're there now. But, man, you, you're surrounded by Mets fans. Uh, when you wear your Braves gear, do they just give you grief or do you just kind of rub it in that, you know, you guys are the champs and that Braves, that Mets fans might be a little nervous right now in the standings? It's funny. I have this, like, uh, World Series Braves hat with an A on it. And are always like roll tide i'm like no this is an atlanta Braves hat um because it's kind of a it's a red color i'm like first of all it's not even crimson but if i like at the game i went to um two of the series when braves were playing here and they're feisty i went to um the yankees astros game and yankees fans towards astros fans were Ooh, feisty and then i went to the mets astros and mets fans were a little bit more laid back but the mets Towards Yankee, towards excuse me, towards Braves fans, we're feisty, and you can definitely tell that they're threatened. Um, I mean, we are the champions this year. We have a good team. Most of our roster came back, minus Freddie. That's a whole different situation. Um, but they're definitely threatened because they are good this year, and so are we. So there's one more series between us at the end of September. So um, it's and, a fight until then. And it looms large. I mean, yes. the, the the difference getting a buy in the NL this year and having to play a wild card is just, you know, the thing about being a Mets fan is like when they're good, you're excited they're good, but you're also just waiting for them to like kind of just, you know, pull the rug out from under you or pull the old prank where you go to sit in the chair and it's just not there. Uh, so you're, you're, you're kind of, you really enjoy the moments and yet in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, what, What's, it's like like in one of those movies where you think, oh, all the good guys have gotten away, and then all of a sudden, boom, the bad guy comes out of the last second. That's kind of what it is to be a Mets fan, Alex. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. No, I mean, trust me, I've dealt with a lot of heartbreak as an Atlanta fan, so you want to hold on to the wins and get to the finish line because you know that that finish line can be taken away very quickly. Alex George, I guess. But you're also smart enough to know, you know, I guess I would guess at a young age, that you just you weren't going to root for the Falcons. I mean, you made a wise 
emotional decision, I would say. You're going to root for the Braves and the Bulldogs, but not not the Falcons, right? I mean, I feel like rooting for the Falcons came with the territory. Um, it's been nah. That's probably my toughest fan base for me. <laughs> um, I remember last year I was watching a game at like a music festival, and a guy looks at me, he's like, are you a Falcons fan? I said, yes. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I am too. I am very sorry because it's just, even if we win a Super Bowl, whenever that is, never gonna happen. It's a three to joke. Yeah, we'll never go away. Well, I, I think that's Ever the only race. thing. That's the only thing that could like make it not go away, but just make it not as as relevant. But I, I don't oh. think the Falcons will ever win one. I mean, it's just twenty eight to three, and I know Falcons fans say, "Oh, get some new material, Saints fans." Look, it's not just Saints fans. <laughs> I mean, it's. It's and, everyone. And me, there's plenty of material. Saints fans use every single bit of it. But I think that, you know, you're a social media influencer. It's your job. They need they need some help from you because they just I don't know what it is about them. They make it so easy. Their 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 idea of trash talk and what what works on social it's just not working for them. I feel like they're they're kind of the brunt of the joke, and when they try to make it better, they just they just make it worse. That's I mean that's just I mean this is my objective. Kind of, and also Saints fan uh, perspective of yeah. the Falcons. I mean, it was painful not only losing on national television the Super Bowl, but against like one of the greatest of all time with Tom Brady. And I mean, me my, myself included, a lot of us prematurely celebrated that Super Bowl. Um, I remember at, I was in Houston, and half, at halftime, I was like buying everybody shots. And as like the third quarter started, I was like, I like started sobering up. I Uh-oh. didn't know what was going on. I was like, what? I was like, this is not happening. This is, it's, and it's not, and it's everybody. I mean, the joke lasted for years. Yeah. It'll it, twitch sometimes when I think about 28 to 3, like my left side still kind of twitches every now and then about it. You probably should have bought more shots and just blacked out <laughs> because that one will, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great night. It's one of the funnier moments of my life. I, I enjoyed sure. it very much. Uh, and, you know, people are like, why do you care about the Patriots? It's like, if if you're not a Saints fan, you don't understand. This has nothing yeah. to do with the Patriots. And, you know, the Falcons, I would say the best thing they did was their schedule release in 2019. They, they made yes. fun of the Saints, you know, getting screwed over by the refs. And I was like, you know what? All right. They, that's, that's what a rival's supposed to do. Like I, I'll, I'll be like, okay, that you are mocking the pain you didn't have anything to do with it, but you know the Saints didn't have anything to do with twenty-eight right. to three. So, like, I that's that's you know I don't know what it is. Like Alex, I feel like Bucks fans—they're just they they suddenly get relevant briefly, and they don't they like celebrate injuries. They don't really know how to handle this trash talking thing. It's like guys, you, no. you're not you're not in the chat. Like you keep entering the chat, no one even knows you're here. Like just just go away. <laughs> they also have really nothing to like throw in our faces, like like um patriots fans like you know they have multiple championships and they have tom brady like yeah Bucks fans have tom brady now but they don't really have anything to throw in our face of like accomplishments yeah i mean you you got brady uh he didn't want to go there you got him you won one in a you know a pandemic yeah. year where everything was crazy good for you uh and you know what, what by the way what is up with tom brady's are you concerned about tom brady i mean his his face looks a little off right now People keep sending me this tweet, and I think he just maybe got Botox. Maybe he just went and tight things up. I don't, uh, or maybe he's just slimming, slimming down. It was kind of a big hoodie he was wearing too. Yeah, I mean, he is in Miami. You know, you got to keep up that figure and that pristineness. Yeah, the off seasons so. down there. I he 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 did look. 
I don't know. He looked. I, I think you might be right about because he didn't go get plastic surgery. No, but Botox no. is a possibility. You know. And yeah. I don't know. I, the Masked Singer loved all the free press they got out of that. Alex George is I our know. guest. Uh, she is a uh, Georgia fan, a Braves fan, and a social media influencer. She appears on lots of sports shows and podcasts throughout the country. So um, we know what the Falcons are going to do this year. They're going to be awful. I want to get uh-huh. your thoughts on some surprise NFL teams, ones that you think you know are going to underperform. Okay, they're not going to be as good as everyone thinks. And maybe some teams in the NFL that you think will overperform, be a surprise team. And I know you're not going to say the Falcons because you're smart, but who's yeah. uh, who, who, who? Give me two surprise teams, but for 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 opposite reasons. Um, I definitely think Philly may come in hot. Um, they're in a kind of mediocre division. You know, you've got the Giants, you got the Cowboys. Um, Jalen Hurts has a lot to prove. So, I mean, they still did win a Super Bowl a few years ago. So, you can't sleep on Philly. Um, and their fan base is unmatched. They, I've been to, I went to a Philly's Cowboys game once, and Philly fans are intense. Yeah, um, that's, that's putting it mildly. Another team that I personally, even though they're in my division, I think the Panthers may be good. I like Baker Mayfield, and I think he still has some potential left in him. So, as wasn't excited that he went to the Panthers since he's in our division, but I like Baker. I really? want to root for him. What do you like about Baker? He was a good player in college. I mean, I, I went to the Rose Bowl where Georgia played Oklahoma and we beat them, but I think he just got screwed over by the Browns. I'm also against the Browns because they took Deshaun Watson when the Falcons were talking to Deshaun Watson, which is a whole other situation, oh, yeah. but I think he has a lot of potential left in him, so I want him to do well. I, uh, I, I'm not, I've never been a Baker guy. I mean, you're right. He was good in college. I, um, I don't think he's very good in the pros and I think Carolina, I think Matt rule might, might not make it through the season. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be rough there, but, uh, but Hey, you, I asked you for surprise team. You didn't go an easy route. You went for it. I dig it. Um, I I don't, I just, I think they're going to, you know, I, I don't know that it would be a surprise if this team ends up being pretty good, but yeah, I think the Vikings are going to end up, I think they're going to have a good season. Um, yes. You know, Kirk Cousins is, he's Kirk Cousins. I call him the Times New Roman font of quarterbacks because he's so, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's him, right? It's like, yeah. he's easy to make fun of. And yet, you know, you, I mean, Times New Roman font, it gets the job done. Um, he threw what, like a bunch of touchdowns, only seven picks last year. His problem is like, Anytime they're on national TV, he's awful. But in like right. the other games, he's pretty effective. I mean, he he went into the Superdome and won a playoff game against the Saints. Like he's 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 not great, and yet he's not as bad as we make him out to be. I mean, people look at the contract, and and I I've made plenty of Kirk Cousins jokes, but I think with Mike Zimmer gone, there's a coach there that doesn't hate Kirk Cousins anymore. And I think when your head coach hates your quarterback, that makes it difficult to win at times. I don't know. I. I think the Vikings are going to be one of those teams that most think will be average. I'm not a Vikings fan by any by any stretch, but I think they're going to be a surprise team this year. That's my go-to for surprise team. And as far as a team that you know might might take a step back, I mean, is Tennessee going to be a one seed again? Like, I don't think so. You know, no. I, I no. who's even their quarterback now? I mean, they don't even have Julio Jones now, which it's not like he did much, but. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I guess my problem is I've I've constantly slept on Tennessee, and I was kind of given some grief last year, and then they were one and done in the playoffs, and I 
Yeah, I was kind of vindicated, but they, Tannehill. you know, they they're they're one of those teams that win some games, but they just don't feel like an actual threat to like win the big one. You know what I mean? Right. And, and therefore, I feel like mm, a team that's going to be overvalued. Give me Tennessee. Now they play in the AFC South, which is fortunate for them. So you only have one team that's decent in the Colts. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. Texans are awful and Jacksonville's bad, but without Urban Meyer, they won't be as bad, but they're, they're still going to be, <laughs> they're still going to be bad. Um, so Tennessee will win some games, but in the end, they'll flame out whenever it matters most. Alex George, our guest, uh, college football. So you, you, you I, I'm sure wearing a, an Atlanta Braves hat that people mistook for an Alabama hat probably bothers you when someone says, roll damn tide, because you're a, oh, you're a dogs fan. Uh, Georgia, Georgia finally wins the big one and it, you know, hadn't happened in your life until recently. Um, is, is Kirby smart in Georgia? Are they going to ride this wave? Are they, are they going to be back in the college football playoff again? Or are they going to have a little bit of that championship hangover where they're still going to be really good, but you have that tendency once you accomplish something huge to kind of, you know, take a breath. I think if we were come, if the whole roster was coming back, I would say, let's go. Like, we're going to make it again. But, you know, we lost a lot of players. We lost, like, seven to eight defensive players. We lost some wide receivers, some running backs. Um, we do have Stenson Bennett coming back, which I'm excited for him. I think like, he's gotten more comfortable playing in, in the spotlight after losing the SEC championship, but then winning the Natty. Like, his, that first half in the national championship, he played awful. He looked like a deer in headlights out there. Um, but I think he's going to have some good receivers. He's got a tight end coming back that he really uh, targeted during the national championship. And we have a pretty decent schedule. Um, I know we always have Florida's always a tough game, South Carolina and Tennessee. Um, we don't play Alabama in the regular season this year. So that's probably going to be another SEC championship matchup. Um, but we'll see Kirby Kirby's there in the long run. He's a great coach. Um, he's a great recruiter. So if this year we don't win as many games as last year, um, I think the next year we come back even stronger. You know, so much of it coming down to the division. I mean, being in the East is really nice for Georgia. Yes. Um, I know Kentucky's preseason ranked, but I don't think they're getting the double-digit wins again. Uh, no. Florida's – Billy Napier, I know Billy. I mean, he's – I think he's going to do big things there, but I think it's going to take a few years. Vandy's mm-hmm. Vandy, Mizzou's Mizzou, Van, you know. Um, Vandy's Vandy. Vandy's Vandy, right? You know, okay, <laughs> so they beat Hawaii really. Okay, who cares? It's Hawaii. Um, <laughs> and Tennessee, you know, they, they couldn't even be good when they were, when you know, they were cheating, when Coach Pruitt was cheating his rear end off. So it's <laughs> it's set up nicely for Georgia, and they're good. And then in the West, you know, you got Bama, you got A&M, uh, yeah. Arkansas and Ole Miss. They're, they could be good, you know, and, and yep. LSU's got a new coach. They're they're starting a new era, but they'll be improved. Um, and, right. you know, Auburn and Mississippi State, who knows? But it just, it feels like more of a any given Saturday type of field, an upset could happen. It feels like that in the West. Doesn't really feel like that when teams meet in the East. It kind of feels like no. Georgia's, you know, it's just their game to, to lose and they're probably not going to lose it. Right. Yeah. No, the West is always, I mean, people from that are fans of like West, they're always like, well, the West sides are harder and we have always a tougher schedule. But for us, I think with the East, like it's more of a rivalry, like Florida, I hate Florida with a passion and South Carolina and Tennessee. And I think 
with Alabama, like the A&M rivalry, that's new. I mean, the Auburn rivalry has always been there, but I don't think the rivalries with the teams in the West are as big as the rivalries with the teams in the East. You've got Oregon week one this yep. Saturday, Georgia and Oregon, ABC, 230. What What is your uh, expectation for that one? I mean, Georgia... The game is uh, what? It's in your backyard, or, or your old yep. backyard, rather. Sorry, it's in Atlanta. <laughs> but uh, the Bulldogs, a 17-point favorite against the team ranked 11. Uh, okay. How are you feeling from a betting standpoint? I know you think the dogs are going to win straight up, but what about that line? I like the line, but I love the over. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I think, it's, you know, Pac-12 teams, like, they don't really play defense. They just know how to score points. Um, our defense may be a little wonky given this first game, so I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. It's just going to be full of action. I like it. Over-under is 53 in that one. Um, I like it. Notre Dame and Ohio State, that's that's the other kind of, I guess, notable national game for this yeah. opening weekend for week one. I know week zero was technically the opening weekend, but it was week zero. Uh, this is really, Yeah, it's week zero. It doesn't count. It, yeah. I mean, you got, you got a, a slate of games here tonight, Thursday night. And, um, you know, some ranked teams are playing. But no no matchups that pit top 25 teams against each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, coming up on Saturday, we mentioned Georgia-Oregon. But uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State, how do you feel about uh, that matchup? And, you know, is is are the Buckeyes just going to run all over the Irish there? I love, like, Notre Dame fans are always so excited. And they just always get crushed. And it's hilarious to me because <laughs> they're not even in a division like you're just like their own entity. Um, they always think they're going to do so well in the season and they just always get crushed. Um, but I think a lot of pressure is on Ohio State, you know, to make it to the national championship, be that one team outside of the SEC to make it to the national championship. So I think there's definitely a lot of pressure on them, but it's going to be a great matchup. Um, Notre Dame may put some some dingers in there, but um, I think Ohio State will win the game. 17 in that one as well, Buckeyes' favorite. Did you Ooh, watch the, uh, huge. the, uh, the Manti Teo documentary? I have not watched it yet. It was. Uh, I I don't I don't watch, watch it. a ton. Yeah, I mean, look, you've I'm, you obviously have seen it on social media, and people have been talking yeah. about it. But it was it was good. I mean, typically, <clears throat> uh, you know, you you kind of take the side of a subject uh, that is featured, and uh, you know, it it they're definitely painted him in a positive light. But um, but but I think understandably so. I mean, you go back watch it. I think you know. People that are maybe younger than you and I, or, or in college now, are like how good he, how good he never know. And then you kind of start to right. get a sense that, like, all right, you know, he was a Mormon kid from Hawaii, and a, you know, a, an island that is a fish out of water. There are no Islanders around. He's only playing football. He was the firstborn of seven of a very faith-driven family. You know, he could have partied and had whoever like. You know, at some point, he probably started to sense something was off. But at that point, it's kind of too late. And it was just, man, you, you, you felt, you, but I just, I felt bad for the guy and, and a little guilty for, you know, the lame jokes I might have made at one point in time. But, um, you know, I would imagine in your line of work, we talked about it being a social media influencer and then working in NIL, you know, student athletes, they, they probably see something like that, and they're like, "Well, I'm so much more savvy than that today." And they are, but they are. It's not so much a catfish thing, but I'd imagine, as a young student athlete in the day in today's age of NIL, they probably get approached by, you know, different entities, and 
you know, what, what's something that maybe a scam they would, they would want to look out for? Something that you would tell them, hey, look, this is a red flag here. I mean, back then with Mary, with, uh, excuse me, Mary Teo, I mean, it was a different world of social media. Like, kind of that's when, like, the show Catfish started because we didn't have that high level of knowledge with different social media channels. Like, now you can check somebody's Facebook and their Instagram and their TikTok and their Twitter to, like, confirm that it's that person. And you have FaceTime. So I think just, I, I hear my guy friends all the time, like, go on dates and they're like, this girl looks nothing like her photos. So I think it's, Maybe like calling them out, like be like Facetime me, Snapchat me, like let me see like it's really you, um, because it's it's scary out there. The world's scary. People do some weird things. So I think just making sure people aren't using you um, as a somebody that could be potentially a pro- professional player, and just you know that they're there for the right re- reasons. Um, and hit up with that fa- hit them with that Facetime. Let's see, let's see you like you don't have that excuse anymore like you, i don't have a camera on my computer like, it's like everybody has a camera on their phone <laughs> right <laughs> right know? right you couldn't you couldn't uh, you would have to be really naive to get to get duped these days but uh, that's right. probably sounds judgmental for me because i don't know maybe someone based on their background where they came from maybe they haven't been exposed to it but it seems like every kid coming up today is exposed to lots of social media unless they were extremely sheltered and if that's the case maybe right. they're not you know, going to a um, a major athletic program at a school either. Alex George is our guest. Uh, she is a social media manager uh, working in NYC, an NIL influencer, uh, originally from Atlanta and made the mistake of rooting for the Falcons, but <laughs> is uh, enjoying the, um, the decision to root for the Bulldogs and the Braves when she was younger. And uh, as of lately, it's, it's been, it's been that, that part of it's been kind to you lately. Lately, I mean, at least for the last year, it was definitely a tough run. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, but like the Falcons losing, Georgia winning the Rose Bowl Heartbreak. and going to the national championship and losing, um, the Braves losing to the Dodgers right before the World Series, um, and then finally it all coming together. It was it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. And people are like you're so lucky you got really spoiled. I'm like, do you guys remember my last five years? It's been very. It was very brutal before that. So. Let me have this moment, and I will cherish it until the next winner gets crowned. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. is the great Scott show. So you're in NYC. Um, you've dealt with lots of different sports fans, different athletes. Mm-hmm. What, who's who's the most, I guess, delusional fan base, and, and why is it the New York Knicks? It's <laughs> The Knicks fans are... Intense. I went to a Bulls-Knicks game on a Monday. It, it, there was, like, maybe five more home games left, so, it like, it really meant nothing. And they were just there. Like, it was, like, the final. They were so excited. Um, I think they get their hopes up every year. They're, like, Texas fans. Like, this is going to be our year. Knicks fans, like, we've got this. Um, but they're intense. It's, like, them and the Yankees fans. Like, I've never seen anything like it. But I love it. I love the passion, especially coming – I was living in Austin for eight years, and there was no professional sports there. Everybody was just a Longhorn fan. And then before that, I lived in L.A. for a year where sports fans only root for their teams if they're winning. Um, so it's kind of nice to be surrounded by actual passionate fans like I was in Georgia. So they're definitely in their own world, but I, I enjoy the passion. I enjoy the banter. Um, I'm so excited for football season for me to go into bars and just, like, trash talk people. <laughs> ESPN Lafayette. It is um... – like 
Yankees fans, I mean, they, they have a reason to kind of be like cocky, right? Right. I mean, Knicks fans, it's like, what are you... R.J. Barrett is the first player they drafted since Charlie Ward that signed, you know, an extension after his rookie deal. That was mm-hmm. over 30 years ago. Like, yep. and yet they're constantly like, everyone wants to play here. Like, no, not no. really. They're, they won one playoff game a few years ago, and they were, like, partying in the streets like they won a championship. It's like, and I, like, I remember the eighth-seeded Knicks in the 90s. It was the, it was the lockout year, but they, you know, so it was a shortened season, but they got to the finals. It was a great run. They lost to the Spurs. It was a fun team, and Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston, and it was like, ever since then, they just, you know, you had Lynn Sanity. That was, like, two and a half weeks of time. Yeah, and yeah. Yet, you know, it's like their their murals to it back in New York. It's like, man, y'all... Y'all really don't have a lot to celebrate. And they, you know, part of it's ownership. You get a bad owner, bad things happen. Right. But I, I just, I think, you know, there's some other, delu- look, every fa- fan is short, you know, for fanatical. I mean, every fan base is, is a little delusional. But the right. Knicks fans, man, they're just, it's like, then you got another team, you know, in Brooklyn there that has uh, disappointed in terms of expectations, but at least they're kind of winning and have stars. And yet nobody there seems to care. Well, I mean, back to the Knicks thing. I mean, that series against the Hawks, like they were, it, it felt like a final series to me just because they're both like very young teams. But everybody trash talking Trey and him just coming in there and just crushing their dream was so enjoyable to me. Um, I, I definitely get more, if I wear like a Hawk shirt around, I'll definitely get stares and people are like yeah. not happy about it. Um, but with Brooklyn, they're just all little babies. I mean, Katie, now he's staying. He wanted to leave. Now he's staying. Kyrie doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I don't I have no idea what Ben Simmons is going to do. Um, but you're right. I mean, they definitely have more stars, and they're not getting as much. I mean, the Knicks are just like a classic team. They're like the Spurs, a Lakers. Um, just without the Celtics. winning. Just without the winning, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were good back in the day when there were the OG teams that were just winning back-to-back. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see how the Nets are going to play out this year. I still don't know who won the trade between them and the Sixers with, um, James Harden, because that was just another mess. So we'll see. I'm, I'm happy that he's staying for Brooklyn, but, um, he's going to need some help for sure. No doubt. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Uh, Alex George has been our guest. You can follow her on Twitter at Alex George five. That's the Number five, last fan question for you, Alex. You as a fan, if you could just pick one of your teams that you root for to win a championship this year, who would it be? I would love to see the Braves win back-to-back. That was my first sporting event when I moved to the States from Puerto Rico, seeing Chipper Jones and Smoltz and Maddox out there. And that was, seeing them win was like a huge huge moment for me so i would love to be able to see the braves win again all right let's go mets <laughs> alex i appreciate Thank you, Scott. you i appreciate you coming on everybody give her a follow and uh let's talk again in the future all right looking forward to it thank you all right that was fun appreciate alex coming on the show it's the great scott show coming at you on this thursday morning we've made it to september football season is here We got college football games on tonight. We got high school football. We got it. We got it. We got the tailgate for 50 contest as well. That's another reason you know it's football season. 
UL Homecoming is October the 1st, and you need to sign up right now in our contest. You have another few weeks. Go to our website, enter to win the ultimate tailgate. That's right, you and 49 of your friends. Tailgate party for 50 at the homecoming game against South Alabama. You're going to get a prime tailgate spot at Cajun Field right next to the band. Bezos Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar. They're going to come set up the tent, the tables, the chairs. Then they're going to cook the delicious food. Then they're going to serve it to you with a wait staff. They're going to provide soft drinks and water. And you're going to get 50 tickets to the game. It is the ultimate tailgate package. Get ready to tailgate with Fizo Seafood Steakhouse Oyster Bar and Catering. Go sign up. Head to the ESPN Lafayette app. Click, click on Tailgate for 50. Or uh, head to ESPNLafayette.com. And you can click on Tailgate for 50 on the What's Hot Bar. And uh, enter to win there. It's free to play. Make it happen. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. When we come back, the practice squad for the Saints detailing that thing. Who made it? And Ian Book's not on it because someone claimed him? Really? Huh? Seth Lewis joining me next hour as well. We'll dig into some high school football. Most intriguing storylines entering the season. And uh, we'll talk a little LSU, UL, and Saints as well. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues after this. CSPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Seth Lewis coming up in 10 minutes. Practice squad. Kirk Merritt on it. Deshaun Dixon on it. It's great news for the Saints. You know, I I told you guys yesterday, most of the time when you think a player isn't going to clear waivers, they clear waivers. And both of those guys did. And they both signed with the Saints practice squad. And both are going to probably see action in regular season games this year. The surprise is every player that the Saints released cleared waivers except one. And the Saints can now officially close the book on them. Ian Book. Ian Book got picked up off waivers by the Philadelphia Eagles, who are liking a lot of either Saints draft picks or former picks that they've already used and taking those players. Because they got a whole lot of Saints flavor right now in Saints future with some of the picks Mickey has dealt over there. But that that is a big surprise. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. Did you think Ian Book was... If I had told you yesterday, one of these releases by the Saints is not going to clear waivers, you're not guessing... Come on, you're not guessing Ian Book. You're not. Nephi Sewell, linebacker, cornerback DeMarcus Fields, wide receiver Rashid Shahid, 
mentioned Kirk uh, Merritt, mentioned Deshaun Dixon, Josh Andrews. Those are all guys signed to the Saints practice squad. Andrews, being a veteran, might be back on the active roster soon. Saints also claimed one player, offensive lineman Tanner Owen, off of waivers from the Bills. They had already kept four offensive tackles. Landon Young, Lewis Kidd, this might be a deal where Kidd, you know, gets waived just before week one, clears waivers then because most rosters are settled and then settles in on the Saints practice squad. To which then after week, or maybe he plays week one and then afterwards they wave and put him on the practice squad and bring in, say, Nick Martin or Josh Andrews, one of these veterans. They don't have to guarantee the whole salary. This is the game they play every year at the back of the roster. I think the good news is you've got talent in Kirk Merritt. You've got talent in Deshaun Dixon, a guy that I've you know, been high on since seeing him play in person at Cajun Field a little less than a year ago. And he was an absolute stud at Nichols State. Got big playability. So more tinkering happening, but as far as the Saints practice squad goes, all in all, you know, they – they probably wanted to bring Ian Book back just on the practice squad to have another quarterback there, to have a quarterback in, you know, the building. But the reality is he's not listed as a quarterback, but Taysom Hill is the third-string quarterback. So you, they're, they're fine. They're fine with... Um, they're, they're fine with Jameis Winston and, and, and Andy Dalton. And then Taysom Hill is the emergency guy if they need it. Will they bring in some other waived quarterback or guy that clears waivers or backup or something just to have in the building? Eh, maybe so. I don't know that they even do it week one. I think it'll depend on, you know, the health of the other guys. But they'll they'll probably bring in someone at some point, but there'll be nothing more than just an extra body to have in the building and in the quarterback room. That's That's the reality. There wasn't anything shocking. There wasn't anything surprising about the Saints practice squad moves. It was what you expected. It was what you expected. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Emails. John emails. Scott, who do you think the worst team in college football will be this year? Uh, UMass? Probably. Probably UMass. I mean, they, you know, Hawaii is, when you see them get steamrolled by Vanderbilt 63-10, to 10, uh, yeah, you know, the New Mexico schools are always a safe bet to be on the bottom. University of New Mexico, New Mexico State. UConn, oh, look out. They got Jim Mora Jr. Whoa, look out. They're going to keep losing. Uh, ULM will, will probably be, you know, near the bottom as well. I don't know that they'll be. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they'll be like the worst, but let's put them in the bottom 10. But I think the worst will be UMass, Hawaii, and UConn. One of those three will probably battle it out for worst, worst team in Division I FCS college football this year. Check that FBS. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good question. Hadn't really thought of that. Who's the worst? Who's the worst? Stay tuned. We got plenty more show coming up. 
Seth Lewis is going to join me, sports director of KTC TV3. We're going to have uh, some open phone lines after we chat with him. And we're going to give away some gift cards, some Twin Peaks gift cards later in the show as well. So stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss it. We've made it to September, everybody. Don't go anywhere. This is the great Scott show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Quick timeout. We're back on the other side. Right here on ESPN Lafayette. best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best. The best. The best. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop. Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. into the great scott show on a thursday we have made it to september football is upon us yeah i usually come out of breaks playing bc boys but i wanted to throw in a little cupid there for you keep it local because we're keeping it local right now with our next guest my friend sports director of ktc tv3 you all know him seth lewis Joins me this morning on the show. Good morning, my friend. How's life? Another football season is here. How you feeling about it? Good morning, Scott. Man, football is here. Football is on the horizon. It's uh, it's always exciting, man. Like this is with every football season, you go through different stages, and this is definitely uh, the honeymoon stage <laughs> with, with football. You know what I mean? Like it's it's um. It's been approaching. Not to mention, too, you've been talking about it for so long, and you're just like uh, just ready for the ready game. for it just to finally happen, right? I guess that yeah. if we're sticking with the comparison, it's uh, man, like when the wedding is approaching, like you've just been waiting and waiting, and finally it just happens, right? And then there's a portion in the middle where you're like, man, this is this is tough. Like physically, obviously not as tough as uh, you know those that are playing, but um, but just. It can be a lot, and then by the time it's almost over, you're like, "Don't go." <laughs> so, uh, but it's every season is, is even especially, man. I, I've just been really, really anticipating it on all sides. Well, yeah, just the excitement around. You know, let, I, I wanted to have you on, Seth, because you know I've I've been talking a ton about the Saints, ton about you. Well, I've been talking somewhat about LSU. I I have kind of neglected the high school football side of things and and i i don't mean to you know i know we had jamborees already but like this you know you, you guys coverage and everything y'all do every friday night and um you know we update scores we air games obviously and 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 we've got games again this year in the building but 
I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit on throw out a few teams to me, Seth, that are intriguing to you and, you know, in covering doing your, I know we can't name every local school. I get it, but you know, in the work that you and Megan and Jamarcus did after kind of getting over there, visiting with the coaches, seeing practice, who who are a couple of the more intriguing teams this year in high school football around Acadiana that, that have piqued your interest? Well, to be honest, I think outside of, like, teams, and I can give you teams, but I think the thing that has been most intriguing to me, high school football, really with just about everything, has changed, right? Like, every, every, as far as the, you know, UL, LSU, Saints, they've all gone through changes, at the very least with coaching and then obviously with other stuff. And in high school, those changes that to me are the most intriguing things to watch, and some of them don't even come into play until later, is, you know, like uh, so many teams being moved into select, for example, right? So, um, like, that doesn't come into effect until you're talking playoffs, but, I mean, now every team in Lafayette Parish is going to be a select school. Southside is is appealing that, but, like, how does Acadiana – fair in something like that. Uh, how does Southside, if they're uh, in that fair in something like that, um, you know, those are some of the things that's maybe the most interesting to me as far as, like, upcoming in the in the season, not to mention, too, that um, there's a possibility that, you know, St. Thomas More can go from playing in Division Two to Division One um, based on the upcoming – um, board meetings when it comes to the LHSA. So, but as far as teams, to, to give you some teams, and it's going to be some of the usual suspects, like um, St. Thomas Moore, they should be really good. Um, you know, when uh, Walker Howard got hurt last year, obviously that wasn't good for them, but there was a blessing in disguise that may have come out of it, and that's the fact that, you know, their quarterback Sam Altman and Will Taylor got four or five games of experience um, during that. And so, like, when they step into those Friday Night Lights, like, it's not going to be something that is, like, a first time for them or too big for them. Like, they understand what the situation is. Not to mention that, you know, they won some big um, district games. The only game I believe they lost while Walker was out was against Westgate, you know, the state champs in 4A. And that brings me to the next person, which would be Westgate. You know, um, they lose essentially both of their quarterbacks, and yet, like, they return a ton of talent. You know, um, a good 17 starters returning or something of that nature, uh, or at least people of experience. And um, even though you lose some key guys, I mean, you still got some really, really good talent. The number two player in the state, Derek Williams, who's headed to Texas. You're talking about a Dedrick Latchelis who is going to uh, Louisiana Tech um, and Amaz Eugene, um, who, you know, was made a lot of plays for them. And so, you know, there's a, a, a ton there. Um, that district, you know, talk about another thing I'm, I'm really interested in. You know, I've mentioned two teams from District 44A already, and that district, you'd be hard to find a tougher district in the state. Because in that district alone, you have STM and Westgate and Turling, and now you add Lafayette Christian to that district. And so, um, 
that is just um, – and, of course, Lafayette Christian would, would count for teams to look for, too. So you got three teams in one district that I think can all contend for state championships, STM and LTA in Division Two, Westgate in 4A. And then, I, you know, uh, I think Turlin's – man, it, they're, they're close to putting something together as well. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's what I'm looking at. When it comes to the high school football season, um, Karen Crow moving into five A, I think, is also very interesting. And they had a five and seven record last year. That's not something uh, that uh, is going to sit well in there. That won't be. They won't have a repeat of that, especially with Chance Caesar uh, coming back at quarterback. So I'm interested in that. And um, you know, I don't know as far as their contender status. Like I, I do think uh, that they have a lot of talent. Um, and of course, Acadiana. Uh, when it comes to division uh, and the uh, Karen Crow too, they'll both be hopping into division one. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they navigate those waters. Kind of, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Gas ESPN live. He had the best ticket in sports. It's just all, all of the storylines of where they could be and where this is going. I mean, we have so much, but we, we focus a lot, Seth on NIL and, uh, and and how it's shaken up college sports, but really, you know, nothing has has changed and evolved more when it comes to football, at least in our area, than high school football. I mean, that thing. You, we, if we just go back ten years ago and how different it is today, it makes me wonder what it's all going to look like in like five years, man. I mean, I I, I don't want to say it's unrecognizable because we followed it step by step, but. You know, I, I know I'm kind of becoming that old guy in the room that's like, man, I kind of just like it the way it used to be. I just prefer it that way. I mean, call me crazy. Yeah, I think, um, especially referring to the to the split. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, in talking to coaches, there's a lot, you know, because we do our, our KTC um, media, media days and, you know, Usually when I'm talking to teams, asking them questions, it's a lot of simple stuff early on, like, you know, just, hey, say and spell your name, what was your record, what district were you in? And I had to uh, add a twist, uh, at least for the first couple of days, um, until I really started to learn it, which was, are you a select team or a non-select team? <laughs> you know, like I really had to, I had to ask that because I just wasn't sure how many teams uh, had moved over into select and, you know, it got a good chuckle out of a couple of the coaches, but they just, there were a lot of people that said, I think it's time to put it back together. And that was from both sides. Honestly, that was from the select and non-select side, uh, coaches saying, yeah, it's probably about time. Like the fact that that's even a thing, that's even a question of, are you select or non-select? It's it's about time to put it back together, and um, you know, like I I I think I don't know what the right word is. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say there was good intention with it. I don't know if I was ever a fan, but um, but yeah, I mean the the nature of anyone is the best want to play against the best. Period. You know, they schedule regular season games against teams from, like, Acadiana will schedule Catholic of Baton Rouge because the best want to play against the best. Like, they're not looking, uh, shying away from that. I mean, Acadiana 
in part is going to be a contender in Division One because of their attitude, because they are excited about a new path in uh, in Division One. They're like, hey, you know, they're looking at it like, man, like we we get to go into this bracket now and potentially win it all, and we can be one of the first teams to win a non-select and select championship because the best want to play the best, and so uh, and it doesn't matter private, public, doesn't matter. That's, that's no excuses are going to be uh, given. And so um, yeah, it's just, uh, like I said, it, it's tough um, because you want to see that. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's nearing its end. We'll see. I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not too confident, but, um, but maybe sooner rather than later, uh, Humpty Dumpty gets put back together again. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, but who knows what Humpty Dumpty is going to look like. That's a lot of reconstructive surgery when all is said and done. Absolutely. Man. Seth Lewis, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticketed sports. We're going to uh, shift gears now. I want to talk Saints with you in a little bit, but on the college side of things, let's start with LSU. What is your expectation for Brian Kelly year one, realistically? I think realistically, um, so I'll give you a, uh, just a, a character trait, and then I'll give you a record. I think character-wise, you just want this team to be organized, let's call it. You know what I mean? Like you, you want them to be building towards better. You know what I mean? Because, like, you can hear all of the alignment uh, talk at the beginning, and you can you can hear about, you know, this, these different structures. But the fact of the matter is, like, it's going to take time, right? Like, I think my analogy has been, especially when it goes to you go from Coach O to uh, Brian Kelly, and this goes to playing, recruiting, whatever. You don't go – from like Buddha and Jambalaya to Seer Duck and just expect for your palate to adjust right away. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference in that. And so it's going to take time for those things to materialize. It's going to take time for it to look maybe exactly how he wants it to. But, you know, if this team, I don't know, wins eight, nine games, that's a really good year. I think for all of the different changes um, that have taken place. You know, I know Vegas has the over/under at like six and a half, seven, depending on the uh, on the site. And you know, I feel like if they win six games, that's probably a disappointment. If they win seven games, that's probably that would be my floor for this team. And then once you start getting into eight and nine, I think it, you know things can get really interesting. And I think it could go above that too, but I think the only chance it goes above, let's say nine is Jaden Daniels or um, Garrett Nussmeyer ends up being, you know, a Heisman candidate. You know what I mean? Like ends up being someone who is uh, first team all SEC, second team all SEC. Like they just really come out and light it up because they're going to have the weapons to do it. And there are some parts of LSU that if you haven't really been paying attention, it's going to look really, really good. Like that that wide receiver room that LSU has is really, really good. That defensive line room that LSU has is really, really good. A lot of pros in those rooms. Um, and there's other rooms, too, that have – like the offensive line, I don't – you know, I, I wouldn't 
I don't know if they'll be one of the best in the nation, but I would. Yeah. So you're probably, co- you're confident in the old line. I I kind of have questions about them again this year. I mean, I yeah, I, I have questions, but I think they'll be improved. Is my point not yeah. not that um I, not that I'm comparing them to the wide receiver in the defensive line room, but I just think that there's talent across the roster that is um either really good, like I said, with wide receiver or defensive line, or, or it can be sneaky. But again, like all of these things, it takes time. Like it's it's gonna take time. The offensive line is gonna take time to look. Let's say how Notre Dame's offensive line look, which is something that you know uh, I know LSU fans are really excited. Man, he knows how to build an offensive line. Well, it's gonna you know Rome wasn't built in the day, and the offensive line isn't either. So no, uh, I, I I think you look. I think you're right with sort of floor and ceiling, and I, I'm kind of kind of feeling eight and four, maybe somewhere in that range. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the schedule sets up nicely in that the it's, it's more difficult on the back end, which, you know, when you're a team that's in transition, that's kind of a good thing. You get some time to work out some kinks that and guarantee you're going to win all the games. Perhaps you'd be favored in, but uh, you know, if you're coming out the gate with the games you're ending the season with, it could change when you're, when you're transitioning and you've got, a new coach and some new players and you're trying to work some things out. And as you said, get your palate adjusted, um, you know, not going up against the, the most difficult part, you know, competition in college football. You know, it's a good thing because it can, you know, it can give you some confidence and with confidence, maybe that accelerates how quickly you can get your palate adjusted as you used that metaphor earlier. And I, you know, last thing on LSU, I want to get your thoughts on Seth is, the quarterback, he's playing coy, whatever. I, you know, many feel like it's going to be Jaden Daniels, but could we see some semblance of a two quarterback system? I don't mean 50 50. I just mean what we might see at UL as well, which we'll transition to in a minute, but where both guys play this Sunday against Florida State, and it's not because, you know, the game is lopsided one way or the other. I don't see it um, with LSU as much as I do with UL. But um, I mean it's it's not impossible. I mean, you know, Nuss, for example, like if Nuss is the starting quarterback, like Jaden is probably more athletic. I wouldn't say he's like it's not by because uh, Garrett is pretty athletic too. But Jay Daniels is, uh, I mean, athletically, I mean, extremely. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. I mean he's he's the better athlete, and so. No like maybe there's a you know a, a package for Jaden in that in that situation. Which honestly, if I had to make a prediction, my thought would be that Jaden Daniels is the starter. That would be that would be my prediction, right? But like I don't know that, and um and I think that Garrett would be a worthy starter too, right? Like that's just again that's me guessing. That's not no not an official report. Don't run and say anything other than that's my prediction. But um I just don't I don't see that being the case i kind of see it where um whoever is the starter will go out there as a starter now if that person you know has let's say three series of just um not being able to move the ball you know maybe then see uh the second person come in but um but otherwise i don't think so i think uh, if Jaden or Garrett gets the start, I think that you see them um, pretty much play the whole game. For the Cajuns, as we shift gears there, let's start with the quarterbacks. Chandler Field wins the starting job. It was 
the most covered aspect of this team over the last several months. And uh, it came to an end, but Coach Desimo said, you know, he, he, Ben Woldridge will play. And I asked him and Coach Leger, you know, about the specifics of it. And they, they hadn't had it mapped out exactly yet, but it's not going to be a feel of the game thing. It's, you know, they referenced 2018 with Nunez and Levi. They didn't say, look, it may not necessarily be every third or fourth series, right? But it's going to be something. And, you know, I, I've had some listeners email me and say, you know, is this a good idea? And they're just trying to please this guy. If they thought that this was going to hurt their chances of winning, they wouldn't do it. Uh, there is something to, you know, letting them get a bite of the po' boy when he's done everything right and, and when a competition, I guess, is that close. But I see both sides of it. You know, if a guy's in a good rhythm, then you're going to take him out. Like, it's – it's um, yeah. I, I I see both sides of it. And I think for Coach Desimo, he understands, you know, having been in a quarterback competition himself when he played, what it's like. But for Woldrich, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see him on Saturday at some point. It's not gonna be because the score is a certain thing. It's it's gonna be for his series at a point in the game. And, you know, coach said, look, if if he comes in, it's not gonna be because Chandler did something bad or or, you know, if Chandler does something really good, if it's his time, we're going to detail and map out exactly what that is. And we'll have a better idea of that, you know, come Saturday. But right now, they're not really saying anything. But what are your thoughts on not a – see, when you hear a two-quarterback system, people think, you know, 50-50. And that's, that's just not the case. But I don't, know, I don't know what phrase you would use to describe what we're at least going to see to start the season. Like, uh, if you're not going to use the term two-quarterback system, you know, what 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 should we call it, Seth? Because it's not. You have a starter, but you're going to play the second guy, and it's not going to be because the starter's hurt or up big. You can call it one and a quarterback system. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish but, uh, I wish I had that. Uh, oh, but, you know, cool. I mean, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I think, um, I, I'll be honest, when they did that in 2018, I didn't love it. Uh, at all. I didn't love the Andre Nunez, Levi Lewis, three series Andre, one series Levi. I mean, it worked. You know what I mean? Like, you know, relative to what they were trying to do. And I mean, you know, that season went, they went seven and seven, but it was also a season where they were in the Sun Belt Championship game, made a bowl game. Like, it was the right opening step, let's call it, for them, not to mention that it got Levi the experience that he needed to, like, move forward. Um, and then he just took off from there. But, like, no, I wasn't I wasn't really the biggest fan of it uh, then. And when it comes to now, I mean, it just depends, right? Because I will say that the thing that I wasn't the biggest fan of was that literally it was every fourth series. And so, because – you know, Billy was like very big with analytics. And so with that being every fourth series, it didn't matter what time the fourth series came, he was putting them in there. And I won't forget that against ULM, Levi came into the game with like, I don't know, four minutes left, five minutes left, something like that. Like, and with the game definitely in the balance at the very least. Um, I can't remember if they were tied or if they were slightly up, but he threw a screen pass to Elijah Mitchell that went for a touchdown. But it's like, man, 
like, especially uh, I think in the in the first game. I mean, in the first half, Levi came in. The series didn't go well, and then the next drive, uh, Andre Nunez threw like a pick six or close to a pick six or something like that. And it's like, man, like from a rhythm perspective, when he had already gone down the field and scored three touchdowns, like it's like, man, like do you want to slow down? You know what I mean? Like do you want to slow down that rhythm? And so. I'll be interested to see how they use it. I don't know. I could see it not being exactly like the way that that one was um, to what they said. Maybe it's not every third or fourth series, but they plug them in here or there. Um, You know, and I think that it is – I like your analogy about getting uh, a bite of the cold boy. I do think it's some of that. You know, the competition being as close as it was, it's not fair per se to him for him to not play at all. Uh, so they want to get him some action uh, out there. And and who knows, things can happen with injury and it's good to get action. But uh, but I'll also be just interested to see how they do it. Because if it's anything like 2018 where a guy maybe has a rhythm and they're just rolling and then you pull them just to get the other person um, some snaps, like I'm just, look, I, you know, I don't, I don't know football better than them. I, I, I don't know football better than Billy. I could just speak from my own perspective. I just didn't love it at times, even if it ended up working. We'll see how it goes this year. Speaking of expectations, what is your expectation for UL this year, riding a 13-game winning streak, the longest in Division One football? Um, and, you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of new... <laughs> I mean, yes, there is some continuity, right? You promoted Coach Des, I get it, but it's 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 a... Uh, it's a new era in, in a lot of ways, as much as they want to say it's just continuing something. And I know that's the goal. You want to continue the trajectory upward. But you've got enough new pieces in there where we can say there are, we'll call it new-ish, right? A new-ish era if we're going to be, you know, we're going to be fair here. There's, there's a lot of new things. And I, I think, as Coach Des said, look, our guys are just tired of answering questions. They're ready to answer them all in the field. I mean, they are, they're like us at this point, Seth. They're just ready for this thing to kick off. Uh, what are your expectations for, for UL this season? Yeah, I think um, it's funny we were just talking about quarterback because I think when it comes, I mean, you could talk about most football teams, but I think especially at the group of five level, so many things hinge on quarterback play, right? Like, I mean, because I, I think this, this uh, UL team has a lot of talent you know, like across the board. And as much as people left, you know, when you talk about how many people graduated, when you talk about the people that have transferred, there's still a lot of talent left in the building. And I I think people are going to learn that as the season goes on. But again, you know, uh, how does Chandler play? You know, and and it never just hinges on him. It's, It's everybody, but, um, you know, I just think back to, like, UL history and how things were going well with, um, like, obviously Blaine Goche was really good. Then Terrence Broadway steps in and, um, you know, it, it goes to a different level uh, under HUD. And then when Broadway graduated and they needed to – when they had that quarterback competition, I, I don't remember the, the guys' names. I think I remember one of them. But um, I just remember it just went south, essentially, right? And I'm not saying that it was just that quarterback. It was the reason why I went south. But, like, 
when you have a good quarterback at this level, uh, it can do wonders for you, right? Look at Coastal Carolina, for example, right? Having somebody like Grayson. Like, they went from a uh, they're okay program to, like, all of a sudden, they're one of the top in the Sun Belt, you know, in a, in a team that you have to uh, – you have to strap up for, for real. And so um, I, I think a lot of it hinges on that, to be honest, Scott, is uh, how Chandler or how Ben plays this year. If they play well, if they play up to their capabilities, I think this is a double-digit win team potentially. If, um, if they are not um, exactly what has been in the past, uh, you know, if, if – if QB played, because that's the one thing Levi brought more than anything else, was consistency. He was like the picture of consistency. And so if it's not as consistent um, as it's been, then it may be a little bit lower as far as the win total is concerned. But um, but I do know one thing. There's a, there's a lot of really good players to look forward to. Um, you know, we talk about wide receivers with LSU – that room might be just as deep <laughs> uh, when it comes to, you know, one through whatever. Um, that team, that, that wide receiver room is really deep for UL. The secondary is really, really good for UL. When you talk about the safeties that are coming back, along with Eric Guerra at cornerback and then Trey Amos at cornerback from New Iberia. And even linebacker, you lose – two guys that have been such staples in Lorenzo McCaskill and Farrah Gardner. And yet like uh, you're talking about two guys right behind them and Chris Moncrief and Jordan Quibido that like they've been right there and they've been playing significant snaps uh, with those guys for the last few years. And so that room should be really good too. And so, um, no, it, it's, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a good year, but um, how far they can go, how high it can go. I think that's going to hinge a lot on quarterback play. Seth Lewis, our guest from KTC TV3, sports director at Seth Lewis Inc. on Twitter. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. One more team to talk about with Seth, and that is the New Orleans Saints. Yes, their regular season doesn't kick off until a week from Sunday, but they uh, the roster trimmed down, the trade of Chauncey, and expectations. We'll get Seth's thoughts on that next. Right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Back into the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. We've made it to September. Finally, Seth Lewis, our guest. One more segment with the sports director from KTC TV3. You know, Seth, I, I don't know if you are going to grill or anything on Labor Day, but a lot of folks in this country will. 
If you're if you're having a Labor Day barbecue, what's like the number one must have item for you on there? Oh man, I'm having a barbecue. What's the number one must have item? Labor Day barbecue. Man, probably uh, probably chicken. Honestly, chicken or burgers. You know, okay. So as a barbecue, um, man, I, I love a good uh quarter. <laughs> Uh, wing something like that, but um, but I mean also like I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than a than a fresh burger off the grill when it's when it's done done right. So um, those those would probably be my my tops. Man, if if smoke it, just smoke some ribs, man. I will just I, I, a good smoke rib with the right dry rub. I'll just eat it all day. All yeah, day. yeah. I mean, ribs, could, is, ribs we, is a good one. It's just not. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, of more common. Yeah, you know, like you don't you don't get ribs at like every um, gr- uh, barbecue that you go to. You know what I mean when you when you're when you're out. But grilling. they're gonna have burgers and hot dogs and maybe chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, I can I can taste the I can taste the burger right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm getting hungry this morning on the airwaves. ESPN Live. Yeah, Seth Lewis, our guest. All right, we talked high school football. We talked LSU. We talked UL. Uh, Saints. I know it's been you know. Two days now, but uh, when they traded Chauncey Gardner Johnson, what's the first thing that went in your head? Oh man, I, I was surprised. Uh, honestly, I was I was pretty surprised that um, that he was going to get traded. Like I, I knew that they were in contract negotiations, but I didn't know that it was necessarily going to result in uh, him being moved. And I mean, I get it that room is deep, but. Um, but man, he just—he uh, was somebody that the city really embraced, and and he really embraced the city. You know what I mean? Like, like he just—he didn't give a you know what. And uh, when it came to a lot of things, and and people in New Orleans just—they eat that up. And so um, that's a tough loss. Like, it's not—he's not the best player on the team, but I mean, his value can't be understated as a uh, as a nickel. Um, you know, he was really, really good. He, he even, you know, he got known first as being a pest, but, like, he was a really, really good pest. And so, um, you know, the Eagles got better. And um, I think the Saints will be fine. But um, emotionally, for fans, um, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a a tough one. ESPN Lafayette, Seth Lewis, our guest. You know, I, I said it just came down to a matter of trust, right? They didn't trust that he was going to – not be a distraction without the contract things got sour and if they thought that he could play out the deal you know the way other players have and then hit the open market then they wouldn't have traded him it wasn't about compensation and that that's that's not what the move was about and the saints on the field you know they didn't get better with that trade that's the reality of the situation but it was something i guess at the end of the day they found it was to be untenable or they didn't want to take the chance that it might be. And, you know, he's an unpredictable cat, but uh, he will be missed. And yet, you know, you've been doing this long enough, Seth, as soon as he um, starts bad-mouthing his former team, then, the, you know, the Saints fans that were pretty sad the other day will start turning on him pretty quick. Yeah, they will. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I that's such his life, right? That's just, that's that's fandom, you know what I mean? That's fandom. That's fandom. Unfortunately. Uh, all right, uh, Seth is our guest. All right, let's... Let's talk expectations. 
now that we, we've we've I've, look, I've been having this conversation for a while. I'm ready. I know that the NFL season doesn't kick off for another week, and that's only one game. And then you know, a week from Sunday, most of the rest of that week one slate, Saints Falcons being on it. But I've asked this question to a lot of people, and now I think we just now that the Gardner Johnson trade is done. You know, they've made their moves, they've made the cuts, they've done all of that. Now you kind of have an idea of what they're going to look like completely to start the season. What is your expectation for the Saints? Because it seems in everyone I, that I talk to, there is a big difference between the national perception and expectation and the local perception and expectation. And I'm not just talking national media and fans. I'm talking national media and local media. It seems that locally the expectation is higher than what it is nationally. Whether it's, you know, I, I okay, Keyshawn Johnson said they go to the Super Bowl. He said a lot of stuff. But overall, when you look at the writers and pro football talk and all of that, and if you just look at the betting lines, I mean, they had better Super Bowl lines a year ago at this time than they do right now. No, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. I do think they're going to have a good season. What With all of that, Seth, you're local. You follow this team closely. You cover them. What is Seth Lewis's expectation for the Saints this season? Yeah, I think especially when talking about a uh, a seventeen game season, uh, I I think they win double digit games. I think they win ten games this year, and I think that as long as he stays healthy, uh, I think Jameis is going to surprise some people. Um, I don't think he's going to surprise anyone locally because of his start to the season last year. But there's clearly still some people who look at him like Tampa Bay Jameis. And I, you know, we'll find out soon enough. But I, I have a feeling that that's not there anymore. Yeah, he'll take chances. Yeah, that there may be interceptions in, in, in games, but it, it won't be to that same level. And I think he's reined that in a little bit. Not to mention that having the voice of Pete Carmichael um, still there is 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 going to be really good for for him and, and his learning. And um, yeah, I think this team wins 10 wins. I think the absolute, like, the highest this team can go is Super Bowl. Like, you know, you can't say that every year, but um, I do believe that. But, I mean, it's also, to what you said, I, I think that it ends up being a good year. I don't know if it's quite Super Bowl. Um, but I think that, you know, look, the 49ers were, like, three points away from the Super Bowl <laughs> last year. It was, they were like a drive away. Uh, they were probably a Jimmy G away from going to the Super Bowl last year. So, um, you know, and the Saints were, ironically, one stop of the 49ers away from being in the playoffs and being in that seventh seed. And so, um, you know, I like I said, I, I think they win 10, 11 games. I think that they have a chance to win the division. I've heard more national talk about that, even though I think those people – are people a little bit more tapped in in Louisiana, like a Ryan Clark, like a Marcus Spears? Like you, you kind of hear them saying, "Hey, don't sleep on the Saints." But, um, but I think they have a chance to win the division, even though it probably is Tampa that that wins it, even if the Saints beat them twice, like they've been doing. Um, and I think they make the playoffs. And I think with a defense, with a defense like the Saints have, uh, defense travels. And that defense is still going to be really good, especially if either one of the defensive ends, the opposite of Cam Jordan, can stay healthy. 
uh, I, I think Peyton Turner, um, you know, e- either one of them can, can do some damage. Um, and so, yeah, I think that would be my prediction, though. I think 10-11 wins, make the playoffs, and then, you know, it's a new ball game from there. And I think Jameis looks really good in the process, too. Seth Lewis, give him a follow on Twitter at Seth Lewis Inc. If you're not already, check out what he is doing over at KTC TV3. He, Jamarcus, Megan, they got you covered with the sports on the TV locally all year long. He is the sports director over there. He is a friend of mine, friend of the program, and a friend to all. Appreciate you taking the time, man. I will uh, be seeing you out and around covering the teams and look forward to another football season, my friend. Yes, sir, Scott. Appreciate you, man. Talk to you, talk to you again soon. You got it. That is Seth Lewis. Coming up next, open phone lines, 337-269-1077. Some raging Cajuns that had been cut by NFL teams. Signed some practice squad deals yesterday. We'll dig into that. First Cajuns depth chart came out as well. And stay tuned. Going to give away a gift card to Twin Peaks. You could win it. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Here, hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to three on the Rich Eisen Show. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, everybody. A couple of Cajuns uh, signed practice squad deals yesterday. Christian Ringo signed with the Saints, played on the Saints last year, signed with the Cardinals in the offseason, got cut, then signed to the Saints practice squad, one of 15 to do it. Uh, and three other Cajuns, Michael Jaquette with the Chargers, as well as Farad Gardner, undrafted rookie, signed to the Washington Commanders practice squad. And uh, Trey Regis. Sign of the Rams practice squad. So he is still going at it. You can read more about that over at ESPNLafayette.com. Cajun step chart came out as well. You know, I, I think a, a number of notable things. Uh, there is no other quarterbacks listed after Fields and then Woldrich. Coach Desimo said that that would be a open competition for number three on there. And some of it would have to do with redshirting and other aspects of it and who would play and how much would play and things like that. Uh, but that, it appears that that competition is still ongoing. Uh, and uh, Kenny Almadera is not listed as the starting kicker. That was Stafford. So a couple of notable things. Uh, if you want to read down a breakdown uh, of the Cajun's depth chart ahead of the season opener, you can do so over at the ESPN Lafayette app, ESPNLafayette.com. A lot of cool stuff there for you. How about we give something away today? I'm just I'm in a giving mood. I'm in a giving mood. We're about to wrap up the show, but the uh, first couple of callers during the break, I'm going to give you a $25 gift card to Twin Peaks, the Twin Peaks man card. Great place to eat. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Great place to cater some food for the tailgate, right? Tailgating's coming up. Speaking of, Dr. Brian Maggard will be on the show tomorrow. We'll hit on that, the season opener. Gus Kattengale will be joining me as well. Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We'll get into a good bit of stuff with him as we do every single Friday. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, for all those calling in, sit tight. We'll get your information. 
and we'll tell you how you can get your gift cards. I think I'm going to give some more away tomorrow as well. I might even have some special guests in to help me give them away. This is football season, and we're all happy. We're all in a giving mood. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. Big thanks to Alex George. Big thanks to Seth Lewis. Thanks to all of you for listening. The Dan Patrick Show is coming up next on ESPN Lafayette. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy the football tonight.